God, another uh, brag on the Lord Jesus today. Hallelujah. Pray. Well, we've got two going. Uh, sister, I tell you what, sister, you just had a birthday. You go ahead with it. Sister Brenda, yeah. He is. Sister Brenda, praise God. Isn't that good? Hallelujah, Sister Julie. Praise God. <laughs> oh, God is good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Oh, is there somebody else? Who? Oh. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise God. Sister Lenina, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I will praise the Lord or bless the Lord actually at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. Then jump down to verse 3. He said, let us magnify the Lord together. Let us exalt His name. Amen. Praise God. That's what we... Hallelujah, hallelujah. I, I, I don't mind running around the church and swinging from the chandeliers, but praise God, let's do, at least do this together in giving Him. Oh, God, we love you and we exalt. Oh, hallelujah. We exalt your name today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good morning and welcome to the Cornelius Church of God. We're glad to have all of It's good to see y'all back home. Amen. I mean, where you been? I mean, come on. But we are, we are glad to have y'all back with us this morning. It's time to receive our tithe and offering. Thank you for what you do for the church. Uh, we, we, uh, God blesses us, and I'm very thankful for it. Brother Joyner, will you say the blessing over the offering for us this morning, please? 
Good morning. It's good to be here. I was asked a couple times if I was going to preach this morning. But I thought about it. Uh, I guess I'll pass this time. Yeah, you like to tie. <laughs> but I will take your prayer request this morning. Spoken first. Sister Judy. Let's pray for our government. <clears throat> Sister Judy's request. Yes, definitely pray for our government. Anyone else? Gretchen? Okay. Yes, let's pray for Gretchen. Hopefully this week coming up will be a lot better. Pray for Pop-Pop's back. And pray for me as I go back to work tomorrow. I've uh, turned my phone's been off for about eighty percent of this whole week, so I'm, I do not want to turn it back on. <laughs> so uh, pray for my back; it's been bothering me too. Anyone else? Let's pray for Neva's children. Kim. pray for Kim and Jason and everything that's going on. Rusty? Okay, let's pray for Jason's friend, Rusty, a co-worker, for the health issues the Lord take care of. Sister Joyner? See it. Unspoken requests. Raise hands. Stand with me as we take these to the Lord this morning.
Time to fellowship.
today as we continue in our in our long series. And I'm telling you, I don't know how long it'll be, but health and wellness. It, we talked about five different aspects of health and wellness. As far as I know right now, this is the last one for mental and emotional health and wellness. Next week we'll be getting into a different type of health and wellness. That's, I mean, I have the the message. I'm, I'm ahead. So, um, so the one that's for next week is not about mental health and wellness. So I believe that we're heading you know, toward a toward a different. But we'll see. We're, we're not going to limit. We're not going to limit the word of the Lord. Whatever He wants to do is fine. But today we considered. Now last week, Dad, Brother Jordan was was preaching for y'all, and when I heard the very beginning. And then we got closer to the to the track, and everything started like and wouldn't work. So we lost our reception. But I know that you did preach, so, <laughs> so thanks, thanks. I'm sure that y'all were blessed. But before that, the week before that, we talked about the emotional health of love versus fear, and we understood that love is greater than fear we understood from that message from that passage that love is an obligation and even if you have to start out that way that love agape choice love god kind of love choosing to seek the best for someone that's an obligation the second thing we learned is that love is a testimony. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples in John, in the upper room, his last messages to them as he was having this conversation with them, he said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples. And it wasn't by how many Bible verses you know, and it's not by how long your skirt is, ladies, or how short your hair is gentlemen or it's it's not these things that <laughs> i know y'all are extra holy um but it's not by these things that people will know you're my disciples but it is by the love the agape that you have one for another so love is a testimony that we belong to christ and the third thing is that love is a sign of maturity because through <clears throat> excuse me, through the love of god we are perfected and the love of God is perfected within us to make us mature. So today, in health and wellness, we examine an emotion that has affected all of us at one time or another. And I'm sure that I've said this, what I'm about to say before, because it gets me every single time. <clears throat> and we watch this movie. If y'all have never seen It's a Wonderful Life, y'all need to watch it. It's on streaming services, or we have the DVD. You're welcome to borrow it. But every Christmas, that's Shane's favorite Christmas movie. So every single Christmas we watch this movie. It's a wonderful life. And so we're, you know, if you've ever seen it before, then you know what scene I'm talking about. If you've never seen it before, please watch it. But this isn't going to ruin the scene. <clears throat> so everybody down on earth is praying for George, George Bailey. He's got a lot going on. And... You hear as it and it kind of pans out from from a, a little tiny 
the house and then it pans up and you see it the whole world and and then it's up in the in the sky and you hear people overlapping lord help george lord help george please help george bailey today he's struggling he's going through so much and all these different things and you hear all these prayers going up and then the angels begin to discuss what should be done for george and you see the little the little sparkly stars up there talking to one another and and AS2, Angel Second Class, Clarence is called in. And they say, Clarence, we need you to go down to earth and help this man, George Bailey. And Clarence asks, is he sick? And the other angels say, no, worse. He's discouraged. And... I've, I know I've said that before, but it hits me every single time because so much rides on that idea that even if you're sick, if you have hope, if you're you're sick and you have a, a sight to get well, then you're you're feeling okay. But if you're discouraged, discouragement is is harmful to us. Can be. The word discouragement is defined as to deprive of courage or confidence, to dishearten. And sometimes when we're discouraged, it's not immediately evident. You know, if we can drum up enough hope or faith to encourage ourselves, we get back to confidence. But when we are dealt a crushing blow or an extended period of time has gone by, that we just live in discouragement, it begins to take root within us. So today we're going to be in Exodus. In three different chapters, I'm not going to read all three chapters, but we're going to be in three different chapters of Exodus to kind of set up this story. No, we're not going to read three. You know, maybe if we were in like Psalms or something, but in Exodus. We're going to begin with Exodus chapter 4. But here we understand that Moses was God's chosen deliverer. Moses had been set apart from the time of his birth. He had been rescued from death by his mother. She had, she had seen that he was a special child. At that time, the Pharaoh was saying, kill all the baby boys. When they're born, kill them. That reminds me, and you'll see something in, your, um, in the newsletter tomorrow, but there's something called the heartbeat bill that is it's going to be in legislation in the, the state of North Carolina. Um, I encourage you to pray for our legislators if you want to call them or email them and let them know that you support that it's um it's a bill that would it's a bill that is about abortion and if a baby has a heartbeat then that's the cutoff time so yes so i think that's around six weeks but uh, you'll there'll be more information tomorrow in the newsletter so look for that so this baby was special and the mother saw it and she kept him for a few months. And then he was rescued from the Nile by Pharaoh's daughter. The, his mother, Yoheved, had put him into a, a basket and had sent him into the Nile. And Pharaoh's daughter came and she found him and, and felt like he was a, a beautiful child. And she felt sorry for him. And then his sister saw this go on and said, should I get? A, a lady to, to come and feed the child for you. So she went and got Moses' mother 
who was able to raise her own son. And then when he was old enough, he went to live in the palace and he was raised as a prince of Egypt. So he had all the benefits of the education and the wealth that went along with being a prince of Egypt. So he was a special individual. But he was by no means perfect. He killed an Egyptian taskmaster for beating an Israelite slave. And then he fled the country in the next few days in order to escape prosecution. Someone had se- he thought no one had seen him kill this man, but someone did. And he thought, I- I'm going to have to go to prison for this. I'm going to be killed for this. So he-, he left and went out into the wilderness. And then we see him on a mountainside in we're not in chapter 3, but in chapter 3, we see him on a, a mountainside, and he's tending sheep for his father-in-law. And he sees this burning bush. He has his experience with God, and God comes down and speaks to him. This strange sight of the, the bush being burned but not completely consumed. And in this encounter, God reveals some things to Moses. He says, Moses, you're my chosen servant. I, I kept you alive for a reason. I want you to rescue the children of Israel out of their bondage. And then he said to Moses, I'm going to reveal a new name to you. My name is Yahweh. I am that I am. Anything that I need to be, I covenant to be for my people. And of course, Moses objects. He says, oh, I I can't speak well. Don't send me, Lord. And after they argue back and forth, coaxing and cajoling, finally a solution is reached and Moses' brother Aaron will be the mouthpiece. And so we see in chapter 4, verses 29 through 31. 4, 29 through 31, it says, And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. So Moses returns to Egypt with a purpose. It's the first time he'd been back to Egypt since the situation of him killing the taskmaster. So he comes back, and... Aaron is on board with the plan. Even the Lord spoke to him and said, Your brother Aaron, he's going to be excited to see you. I don't know if that was like a novel thing that his brother wasn't normally excited to see him. I don't know. But he said, Your brother's going to be excited to see you, and he's going to agree to be the mouthpiece for God. So, yes, you guys are going to work together, and you're going to deliver the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So they gather together these elders of Israel and inform them of God's plan of deliverance. Hey, y'all. God said that y'all are going to be delivered. That you're going to be able to rise up out of slavery and that you're going to be taken to a land of promise. These are the things that God said. God said that his name is Yahweh. So Moses and Aaron let them know this at this time. We've always known God one way. We've always known him as El Shaddai, the way that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew him. That's how we've always known God. But God is revealing himself to us in a different way. He's saying that he is Yahweh, which means I am that I am. And, and guys, he's saying to, to all of us, he's going to be what we need him to be. And the people started getting excited. 
like, wow, this is great. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. We've been praying for this for 400 years. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers that we're finally going to be delivered from slavery. Thank you, God. They believed, it says. This means to build up, to support or confirm. We, we support you. We believe what God says. We support you. They said they were grateful that God had seen their affliction. This word means depression or misery. So they were in a place of mental and emotional discouragement. They were in a place that for hundreds of years, they had lived under the rule of Egypt. They had been slaves in this place, and they were discouraged in their hearts, and God saw that. They were grateful. They worshiped God for what he was about to do. God, we have faith. We believe that you are going to deliver us, so we bow down in advance. We worship you for this. So now, Moses and Aaron have to go speak to Pharaoh. And they come before Pharaoh with the word that Yahweh had spoken to them. Let my people go into the wilderness so that they may worship me. And in this situation, if you read uh, verses, uh, starting in verse 1 of chapter 5, and you'll see the situation that they're standing before Pharaoh and talking to him. And it's interesting because he calls them Hebrews. Moses stands before Pharaoh, and it's no longer children of Israel. He says... God is telling you to let the Hebrews go. This is interesting because Hebrews means someone of the other side. So Moses is standing before Pharaoh and saying, you've known these people one way, but these are people from another side. These are not your people. You've wanted to oppress them. You've wanted to depress them. You've wanted to enslave them. But these, these are people from another side. They're Hebrews. They belong in another place. So I'm going to need you to let them go. <laughs> and Pharaoh reacts exactly the way you would expect him to act. And he says, who is Yahweh? And why should I obey him? No, I will not be letting the Israelites, and he switches, I will not, not be letting the Israelites go. Get back to your work. So after the brothers, Moses and Aaron, leave Pharaoh, and it's, again, I, I encourage you to read all three of these chapters. I'm not going to read them to you, but I encourage you to read them. Not right now, maybe later on today. <laughs> but after the brothers leave Pharaoh, Pharaoh goes to the Egyptian taskmasters and he says, We got a problem, y'all. These slaves that we have, they want to leave. And the reason they want to leave is because you guys are being too easy on them. You guys are not being mean enough. You're providing them, I see you're providing them with straw. That is unacceptable. Tell them, no way. They have to go find their own straw. Beat them more if you have to. Whatever you need to do, you're being too easy on them. 
so they're told then. Okay, so the, the taskmasters, they, they speak to the slaves. All right, y'all. Y'all are lazy. You've been making bricks with straw that we have provided so graciously for you. But now, you are not only going to have to make the same number of bricks that you've been making, you are also going to have to find your own straw. Good luck to you. So we see in verses 13 through 18, it says, And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today, as heretofore? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And behold, thy servants are beaten. But the fault is not, but the fault is in thine own people. But he said, Ye are idle. Ye are idle. Therefore you say, Let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you. Yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks. So the taskmasters say, you guys have to get your own straw. You have to make your same quota of bricks. And as the oppression grows, the the Israelites who were put in charge of the slaves. So it seems as though there was the, the hierarchy of, of course, Pharaoh, and then there were Egyptian taskmasters, and then there were some Israelite overseers. And so the Israelite overseers come to Pharaoh. They come into his court and they say, Pharaoh, please help us because the fault is not ours that we're not meeting our quota. You guys used to provide straw for us. You're not anymore. Why are you dealing this way with your servants? Notice that twice they refer to themselves as the servants of Pharaoh. Why are you dealing this way with your servants? Now, although they were God's chosen people, although Moses had spoken to them and said, Yahweh has chosen you and is going to bring you out of this land, and even though Moses and Aaron had stood before Pharaoh and said, these are Hebrews, people of another place, people from the other side, they still had the mentality that they were the servants, that they should be bound, that they should be under the rule of Pharaoh. They were God's people, holy and set apart, but living with the mentality of slaves. And Pharaoh says, you guys are slack. That's what your problem is. You, I'm not going to send you out into the wilderness to, to serve your God. Get back to work. He dismisses them from his presence. No mercy will be shown unto them. And we see in verses 19 through 23 of, of chapter 5. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were evil that they were in evil case. After it was said, Ye shall not diminish aught from your bricks of your daily task. 
And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. So, upon leaving the court of Pharaoh, the Israelite overseers encounter Moses and Aaron, who seem to be waiting for them, kind of outside Pharaoh's court, waiting to hear what Pharaoh will say to these overseers. And when these overseers see Moses and Aaron, they say, May the Lord judge you. May the Lord see what you've done to us. You come in here giving us hope. You come in here saying we are chosen people. You come in here saying we're people of the other side, that that we belong in a place other than this, that we're not meant to be slaves, that we're meant to have a land that that God promised us. You're, You're saying to us, you're building us up, you're getting our hopes up. May God judge you. Because he hasn't done what he said he would. You haven't done what you said you would. Then Moses turns to the Lord. (laughs) Why have you evil entreated? And this, this phrase means broken or hurt. So he turns to God. God, why have you broken these people in such a way? Now, these people had been slaves for 400 years. Slaves. Beaten. Oppressed. In an enemy land. For 400 years. And Moses turns to God. Why have you broken these people? You made these promises. You said all these things. You... You're making it sound like you're going to do something great. And you haven't done it. We are a stench in Pharaoh's nostrils. He is poised to kill us. And you haven't done anything. And then Moses says, Why have you even sent me here? I, I was fine. I was tending sheep. I was away from this mess. I was living my life. And then you show up with a burning bush trying to tell me I'm supposed to be this thing and this thing and a deliverer and all this and I'm called and I'm chosen and all this mess. But God, you haven't done what you said you're going to (laughs) do. You haven't delivered them at all. Notice that that phrase is there. You haven't delivered your people at all. In fact, God, things look worse 
than they did in the beginning. You're telling me all these things. Sounds great. I'm telling the people. They're excited. You've done nothing at all. Why am I even here? So then Yahweh replies. We see chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. It says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, which means El Shaddai. But by my name Jehovah, Yahweh, was I not known unto them. Like, they knew me as God Almighty, but you're going to know me as I am, and I will do, and I will be. It's a whole new world for y'all. Yeah, I promised them things. Yes, they could believe in these things. Absolutely, but y'all are going to know. From this point on, that I am. Verse 4, And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage. I am the Lord. Time after time after time, he speaks. He speaks. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Five times within there, he reminds them. Five times within this eight-verse period, he speaks and says, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh, Jehovah. He reminds them. And then verse 9. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. So Yahweh replies to Moses' accusations. God, why did you send me here? You haven't delivered your people at all. And then God makes this speech to Moses. He renews his promise of deliverance. He reminds them of his legacy of faithfulness. Your ancestors knew me in this way, but you're going to know me in a new way. I promised to them that this would happen and it's going to be fulfilled in you. He reiterates that they are going to know him not as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but as Yahweh, I am. Five different times throughout this, he speaks this. 
He tells them of the land where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were strangers. He said they were sojourners in that land. I I promised it to them, but it never truly belonged to them. But this land is going to belong to you. You're going to be the fulfillment of this promise. He tells them that he had heard their cries and that he would deliver them. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to reach in with my mighty hand and I'm going to pull you out. I'm going to pull you to me. All these encouragements. You'll be my people. I'll be your God. And Moses spoke these words to the children of Israel. But they hearkened not. Hearken meaning it's the, the Hebrew word shama, which means to hear intelligently. They hearkened not because of their anguish of spirit. This word literally means shortness of breath. They wouldn't listen because of the panic that was in them. Their shortness of breath. Their anguish of spirit. how to fix a broken spirit in the story we see so many highs and lows Moses and Aaron excitedly telling the Israelites of God's plan of deliverance and then the people receiving this message and responding with worship they're like oh yes God thank you we're gonna we're gonna believe we have faith yes Lord (laughs) and then the taskmasters by Pharaoh's command Make the work more strenuous so the Israelites develop this anguish of spirit. Lord, it's worse. It's worse. You tell me that it's going to be this way, and now it's worse. And then Moses turns to God. God, why did you even... I didn't want to come here. And I could just imagine. I mean, I'm not trying to put words in Moses' mouth, but you you can see this. Because Moses possibly said okay God if you'll remember we were out in the on the side of the mountain and I was just tending sheep and then there was a bush walked over to the bush this is strange what's going on here and you started speaking to me oh Moses you're going to be a deliverer go get the people and I said no thank you no Lord I don't want to have anything to do with this. I'm free and I'm fine. I got out and I'm good. And I said to you, I I don't want to do this. I am not the right person for this responsibility. I can't speak. I feel uncomfortable. Lord, I don't want to do this. And then you kept on. Yo, you're going to be a deliverer. You're going to be the one. And I said, no, Lord, I can't speak. Don't want to do this. How, how are people even going to believe that you've sent me? Oh, well, tell them that I am. Okay, thank you. I said everything you told me to say. I have done everything you told me to do. And still, you have not delivered these people. Things are worse for them. You should have left me where I was. And I can imagine. Because in my own heart, I might say the same kind of thing. In the privacy of of mine and God's alone time, God, why? You should have just left well enough alone. They were fine. They were living there. It was okay. God, why? 
So how can this story even help us when we're discouraged? I, I left on a kind of a sad note. They had anguish of spirit because of their cruel bondage. So how can we use this story, use the truth of God to help when we're feeling discouraged? Number one, cling to the promise that God has a plan. When they were just in the listening stages, everyone was excited. Yes, this sounds great. Okay, we we believe you have a plan. Thank you, Lord. We're going to trust that you have a plan. Yes, thank you, Lord. We're going to worship. You say you're going to deliver us. Yes, Lord. Absolutely. Aaron was, again, he was glad to see Moses. He listened to the... To the plant, yes, it's great. It's wonderful. Yahweh's going to deliver us. It's, this is, yes. People were excited. Yet when their situation did not change immediately, the Israelites told Moses, you should have just left well enough alone. And Moses began to question his calling and his purpose. We don't know how many days it was between the time that he spoke to them and the time that things got worse. We do see that there are two days that they didn't meet their quota of bricks and then the Israel overseers went to talk to Pharaoh. So a couple of days. So they're expecting this thing to happen quick. Oh my. Lord, it's been two days. (laughs) I'm not sure why the deliverance hasn't occurred yet. You said it would. (laughs) And I've had to wait. And I'm not really sure why. (laughs) If you had a plan, you could have just really quickly (laughs) got us up and got us moving. I don't know why you're making us wait. I mean, I don't know. Am I the only one who's ever felt that way? Lord, if this was your plan in the first place, you could have just like, bam, and it's done. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. (laughs) Maybe. I don't think so. (laughs) So certainly, we've been there, right? God, why did you promise and not deliver? Why did you get my hopes up? You could have just let me stay in the place I was in. On the backside of a mountain. Not hurting anybody. Nobody hurting me. God, why? Why? God, you didn't have to make this happen. You didn't have to work in the situation the way that you did. God, why are you doing it like this? If you've ever found yourself saying these things in your heart or out loud, remind yourself that God always always is faithful to his word there is no time in his word that he's that he's promised and not followed through there's no time that he's spoken a word and hasn't come through with it and and sometimes we just have to remind ourselves of that god you are faithful and if it happens in the snap of a finger or if it happens two days later God, you are faithful. And I know you have a plan because your word says you do. Your word says constantly that 
the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, or that we should dedicate our ways to the Lord and He'll direct us, or that I know the plans that I think for you, says the Lord, to give you peace and hope and a future. And God, I know you have a plan. So I will reject the discouragement that comes from it not happening immediately. And I will get ready in the meantime. I will get rid of this slave mentality because I know I'm going to be delivered. I'm going to begin to see myself as a Hebrew, as someone from another side. God, I'm going to, I'm going to begin to recognize and remind my soul that you're faithful. The second thing that we can learn from this is greater is he that is in you. At the time of the Exodus, the population of Egypt, of Egyptians within Egypt, was somewhere between 2 and 4 million estimates set. Conservatively, so this was men, women, and children. Conservatively, there were 2 million Hebrews who left in the Exodus. Remember, at the beginning of Exodus, that the Pharaoh who rose to power after Joseph's death began oppressing the children of Israel because they were so great in number. They came in as 70 people, and they just began to grow and grow and grow. And that Pharaoh got to looking, and he didn't know, he didn't know Joseph. And it's, the Bible speaks about that. He got to looking at these people, and said, these people are here in our land. And they're growing powerful, and they're growing in number. So let's oppress them. And let's tell them they have to be our slaves. If they're going to live here. And it wouldn't have happened, bam, all of a sudden, okay, you guys are slaves now. No, it would have happened little by little. Just a little bit more oppression. Well, we're going to need some extra taxes from you. Or we're going we're gonna to need you to turn the land over. Or we're going to need you to do such and such a thing. And it would have happened little by little over those hundreds of years until they came to the point that they were completely oppressed, enslaved, dependent upon Egypt. But if they had looked around and realized there's the same number of us. Now we're doing all the work, so we're really strong. Physically, we're strong. And there's the same, at least the same number of us as there are of them. And they're just sitting around, you know, eating and drinking and hanging out, having a good time. Greater was he, El Shaddai, who is God Almighty. That was how they knew God. And he was still living among them, hearing their prayers, helping them, giving them strength. But they didn't turn to him and recognize that. But if they had understood that El Shaddai, Yahweh, Jehovah, was greater than any God who was in Egypt, then they might have been able to raise up and understand I don't have to be in bondage. I'm not sure how this happened, but I don't have to be here. So 
Oftentimes, we live below what God has promised and made available because the enemy prowls around us with threats. He makes us nervous to pray specific prayers. Well, if you pray like that, God may not answer, and then you'll be disappointed. Well, if you really dedicate that much time and effort to God and ministry in the church, then, I mean, are you really going to have any time for yourself? Or if you, you know, if you really love people like you ought to, that's going to just drain you. You won't get anything in return. Just stay the way you are. His goal is to steal and to kill and to destroy. So anything in your life that he can steal or kill or destroy, he's going to. But we are like the Hebrews. We are people of the other side. Bondage and hopelessness are not my destination. I refuse to be intimidated by the lies of the enemy to discourage me. No. Greater is I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I, I am greater than this because God is within me. And gives me the strength to be greater than this. No, I'm not going to live under this. No. The third thing is allow Yahweh to encourage you. When the Israelites and Moses became discouraged, Yahweh spoke to them again. So the, the Israelites had been discouraged by what Pharaoh had said. They came to Moses and Aaron. The Lord judge you for the way you've treated us. Getting our hopes up like this. And then Moses turns to God. God, why? Okay, it's all right to ask God why questions. You Sometimes he encourages you in this way. You, you ask God why, and he comes back with some strong encouragement. Sometimes you ask God why, and he, you don't like the answer that he gives. But if you come to him with a sincere heart, and you're asking why, there is nothing in God's word that tells us not to ask. God, why is this going on? So, he reminded them of their heritage. He, he reminded them of the covenant. He reminded them of the land of promise. This is going to happen. It's going to happen. Guys, just hold on a little bit longer. It's going to happen. But because of their anguish of spirit, being out of breath, they would not accept the comfort of Yahweh. Ever been there? I can speak from personal experience that situations have happened in my life and I've come to God with why questions and the what on earth are you doing kind of questions. And the Holy Spirit would try to give comfort and I would just, no thank you. Nope, I want to be upset right now. I want to be mad and I would try to push him away. So if you've been there, if you're in that place, That can be a normal human reaction. No, thank you. I don't want comfort right now. But understand that the Holy Spirit still sticks with us. And even in those times that we want to let go and say, no, get away from me. I don't want to be comforted. He still wraps us up. And he still holds on to us. And you'll look back and you'll say, I remember that. And I wanted to give up, and I wanted to to say, no, thank you, no more. And I wanted to push God aside, but he wouldn't let me, and he wrapped me up. 
And when I couldn't hold on to him, he held on to me. So when troubles arise on the road to where God is taking us, it's easy to allow our feelings to overtake our confidence. It's easy to allow discouragement to set in and and keep making a list. God, it's been so long. I believe you spoke this, but it's been so long. God tries to remind us through his word, through a song, through a message, that he's still in control. So when you see those things, and again, I understand because sometimes it's it, you, when you're in those circumstances and you get those little messages. It's like I don't, I don't want to hear this, and we kind of we want to reject it. We want to push it aside. God, no, thank you. It hurts right now, and I, I, I'm upset with you right now. But He keeps reminding, and He keeps coming on back, and He keeps bringing it back to our remembrance that He is faithful. And his promises are true and that he is good. Do not remain closed off and afraid to hope. He is Yahweh, covenant God. The one who has made the promise to be whatever we need. And he sees beyond where we are. He sees the place that he's going to take us to. So allow him to comfort you when those times come. when, When those little messages come to you through God's word, whatever it may be. Receive it. Put it away for a time that you can receive it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Right now I can't, but yes, Lord, I I see that you're trying. (laughs) Discouragement is real and can be debilitating. So the next time you're discouraged, or maybe you're walking through a period of discouragement right now, I encourage you, remind your soul of these truths to cling to the promise that God has a plan, that greater is he that is in you, and allow Yahweh to encourage you. So today, as the music plays and as we think, and discouragement is very personal. And sometimes, you know, we, sometimes we feel like, okay, I can say, Yes, I'm discouraged, and, and no one will look down on me. No one will look bad on me. But sometimes we may feel like I, I shouldn't. I should be the one to encourage people, right? So discouragement can be very personal. So I encourage you this morning. However, you need to receive the encouragement of the Lord. If you need to come down here to get before Him, to bow down in in worship, in anticipation of what he's going to do, then you are invited to the altars if you need to stand, if you need to sit, whatever it is, however you can receive from him. But we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, you are the God of encouragement. (laughs) You are the God of everything that we need. God, you're the God of a plan. God, I thank you that you are faithful, that you are sovereign, that you are only good. Father, I thank you that even when we are in those places of deep discouragement, those places that we're looking at you and saying, why and what on earth, and is anything ever going to change? God, I, I believe and I trust, I know that you are faithful. And Father, right now I want to encourage each and every person. I want to pray over each heart 
I want to pray for myself and those watching, Lord, that we would cling to the promise that you have a plan. We know that you did not just create us and throw us to the wolves, but God, you have a plan for each and every one of us that is specific. God, you have a plan to grow us and to show us the way that we should walk. God, you have a plan to make us prosper and to give us hope. God, I believe that. God, that there is no one who is more special, who gets a better plan than another, but God, you have custom made them for each and every one of us. I thank you that you are so invested in our lives that you stop heaven and earth to make a way. You do that for us time and time again, and we just cling to that promise right now. God, we refuse to be discouraged by the enemy who says that we're stuck. In Jesus' name, we say we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God, I pray that you would remind us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to look at things the way the world does, that God, even right now, it may look like things are falling apart. It may look as though we are in a mess. We may feel as though we're in a mess, God, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, whatever it may be. God, there are sometimes we look at ourselves in a situation and like, Lord, how am I going to get out of this? But God, we trust that you have made us more than conquerors because of Jesus, that he did not only die for our sins, and we know he did, but he did not only die for our sins, but he rose again on the third day to give victory. God, you you didn't leave us here just to live a mediocre life, but God, you put us in this place to be a conqueror, more than a conqueror. God, we trust you, we believe in you. And God, we just ask you right now that you would bring comfort and peace that passes understanding. Father God, that you would wrap your arms around us with that frapping grace that the Hebrews speaks about. God, that you would just wrap us up in those times that we can't turn to you, that it just hurts too much. God, I pray you would wrap your arms around us, gather us, draw us in close, Heavenly Father. I pray that for each and every person you see the discouragement, the difficulty, the places that we are in. And God, if there are people here who are not in that place, I ask that you would help them to tuck this away for the time that they may be. God, we thank you. We give you praise and glory and honor. God, we thank you that you are always with us. Give us strength, Lord. Give us strength help anointing and help us to follow hard after your plan God we thank you we trust you God we thank you God we trust you God we thank you we trust you we believe that your word is true we believe that it's going to go forth that it's going to be planted within our hearts. God, soften, soften our hearts. Plant this seed, water it. Remind us of this day after day. God, throughout this week, throughout this month, whatever it may be, God, remind us of your word. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We praise you, Lord.
We surrender our fears to you. We surrender our discouragement to you. We just hand them over to our Heavenly Father. Just hand them over to you right now. God, we trust you. We thank you. Heavenly Father, do a work in us. And now we say, over your people, may Yahweh bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and may he give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Seven.